Well, we're going to do a tag team preach this morning and we're going to get rolling. But we just love the freedom that we can find in family. And that's a growing thing for some of us, that dynamic of family. We say family and that denotes pain or it denotes a lot of joy and pleasure. And as a church family, we want to, as, as John said, you, we want to be a manifestation of all that God has for, for us on the earth, his sons and daughters to re- represent who he is. And so our title this morning or this afternoon now is At Home with the Father. At Home with the Father. And, you know, this is continuing our series on the gospel at home with the Father. Because what happens when we're born again, not only are we forgiven of our sins and we're given eternal life and we are assured of our future in heaven, we actually are born again into the greatest family of all time. The heavenly family where Father and Son and Holy Spirit are in this community and we are born again into that family community and that community of love for the rest of our lives. And and so often when we're born again, we don't necessarily realize, I know I didn't, I, I just knew that Jesus was my savior, he was forgiven me from my sins, but I didn't realize I was also coming into the fellowship and the friendship and that intimacy with a father, a heavenly father, the creator of everything. And, you know, we, we come and we know who we are in Christ. We're set free. We're, we're raised with Christ. But we don't necessarily realize that we have got an opportunity to live out our days in that place of love and fellowship with Father God. You know, It's like we go on a journey of discovering that our salvation is so multifaceted. That you were created by love, for love, in love, to live your lives through love. And so I didn't realize even when I was raising my children that that God himself as the father of love wanted to come and change my heart and father me in a way that would change the way I parented. And I look back and I realize that a lot of what I did as a parent was out of shame, that I was driven by shame and not motivated by love in what I did, the way I manifested uh, being a mother to my children. And, um, you know, we're going to share a little bit more on that. But I realized I was wanting to do it right to look good, to not worry about my children running around or having a tantrum in public. And I definitely was not comfortable with allowing my children freedom to express themselves in worship and praise. And, you know, that's why we, we love that fine balance of children being able to express themselves in this place without being ill-disciplined. It's a very fine line. And, you know, how does it feel when our children are not behaving? Do we shame them into submission? Do we 
Or do we just ask the Father for keys to their hearts? And so I realized that in my own brokenness, I was not necessarily manifesting the Father and his love, not only to my children, but to my husband. That, you know, I was getting triggered because I was feeling that emptiness or that that lack of love in a way that was coming out in my relationships with others. You know, because if, if you, like me, have had a, a family that was not perfect, and I know some of you, it was grossly imperfect. And, and so when, when we look at God and we see him as father, we already have alarm bells because we think through the filter. We see through the filter of our own um, broken parents and maybe some of them were absent maybe some of them were actually abusive or maybe just on a lesser degree they weren't always interested in you they were either passive or just occupied with work and you never really understood what it was like to have a, a an active father or an active mother and some of us carry that into our relationship with God so when he says now I'm you're born again into my family. You're like, yikes, what is that going to look like? How is God going to do that? And I realized in my own inadequacy, in my marriage and with my children, that I needed to come to a place where I was able to say, Father, would you reparent me? In the areas that I lacked, would you change my mind? Would you transform me in a way that I began to see God as a father who loved me, who loved me, wanted to bring me into an experience of that love, not just in theory, knowing he's my father, but the spirit of God within, within me that would cry, Abba, that most intimate place of daddy. You know, are you comfortable as a person to call God our father? He's not just your father. He's my daddy. He's my daddy. You see, in Thomas, in John 14, verse 5 to 11, he has a conversation with Jesus and he says, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And we know that scripture, I am the way, the truth, and the life. But the second part is that no one comes to the Father unless through me. If you had known me, you would know my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. And Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and it is enough. And Jesus said, I have been with you so long that you still not know me, Philip. Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father in me dwells in me, does the work. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me or else believe on the account of the works themselves. Jesus was saying, if you've seen what I've done, Philip... You've seen me in action. You've seen the way I love. You've also seen the Father. And so 
this is not an unknown thing to us, but it's like there's a revelation that not only do we receive Jesus and his salvation, but we receive the love of the Father. We are given the gift of a, a Father. And Isaiah says that he is the everlasting Father in chapter 9. He's, his role of protector and provider for you forever and ever is always there for us. And some of you need to hear that today, that he is a father who protects you and provides for you. You see, the opposite dynamic of knowing that your son, you're a son, as John was saying, is, you know, we can be an orphan where we don't know that we have a father who will protect us and provide for us, yes, but will more than that, we'll give himself to us. We'll give his love to us. And it's that love that will reparent our heart to, to believe the best about a father, to believe the best about family. John 1 says that to all who receive him he gave, and believed in his name, he gave him the right to become children of God. That is your inheritance. You're born of the Spirit, but you were born of God. It was God's plan. He saw you, each of you, before the foundation of the world. He saw you in his eye. He knew you are the apple of his eye. You were born of his Spirit. And 1 John 3 See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. You have become sons of God through faith. Just your yes in believing in Jesus has, has given you so much more. It's given you the Father himself to live a life of uni union and communion and intimacy the kind of love that he wants to flow through you so that you know your identity as sons and daughters that will walk in this world with purpose and overflow with love. But I realized I had a distorted view of my father in heaven. I, I looked at God the Father in the way that I'd looked at my own father. And I realized I needed to to change. I had to change my mind. I had to repent for, for seeing our heavenly father in such an earthly way because he is the everlasting eternal father. And I needed to come into agreement and say, Father, would you come and show me who you really are? Would you come and parent me in a way I've not received? And God is moving today in a way that he wants us to know who, who we really are in him. Thank you, honey. When I was a kid growing up like Kate, and I heard the word, word gospel, such as right now, this month, we've been looking at the gospel, I immediately thought of, thank you, Jesus. You died on the cross for my sins. You paid the price for all of my sins. 
And because you've risen from the dead and I'm alive in you, you've now made a way for me to have eternal life. And I was so excited about that. And I still am so excited about that. But I realized that I'd been missing a very, very important element of the gospel. And that is that eternal life is daddy God himself. (laughs) That I was actually born again into a relationship, not just into a a reward. See, I was so self-focused, it just, I mean, God was so glorious and magnificent when I had my first encounter with him. And, you know, I, in that moment, I was able to confess and pour out my heart to the Lord and repent of all of my sins. And I accepted his invitation to be my Lord and Savior. But I was so fixated on the, the glory of the reward of, you know, knowing God and having eternal life in him. But I had not understood that in that, the best part of it of all was he himself was now my daddy. My daddy. Not just my God, uh, you know, to worship, but my daddy to have fellowship with and to walk with. And, uh, And so, you know, I just had this place in my heart that, still did not really end up in a place of freedom and healing because I was so broken as a child growing up, had, so, had believed the lies of the evil one. I remember my friend Carlos Rodriguez saying to preaching once uh, here in this church a number of years ago saying that you'll be parented by one of two fathers. You'll either be parented by the father of lies or you'll be parented by the father of lights. And who, which voice you choose to listen to will have a dramatic effect on the outcome of your life. And so I had not realized it, but out of a place of ignorance, I guess, in lots of ways, I had not learned that the gospel was about coming into fellowship with the father. I was still in that place of being excited about eternal life, of going to heaven, not realizing that eternal life was a person. And as a result of that, there was something of an open door still in my life, particularly on account of my uh, experiences as a child where I had been to boarding school for 13 years. Uh, You know, 13 years, two or three times a year, saying goodbye to your parents uh, and your family and going off to school for several weeks on end. First in Nigeria, then in England, I was sent to school on an airplane uh, to go to school. I would say goodbye to my parents, and I started to believe the lies that the evil one would sow into my heart. Duncan, you are abandoned. That's because you're rejected, and that's because you're unworthy. You're a nothing and a nobody. You are screwed up, son. You only have to look at the reality that you can't stop losing your temper. You can't do anything about your sexual drives. You can't do anything about your 
propensity to tell lies. You can't do anything about your covetousness, wanting to have this or that new thing. You can't do anything about all the false comforts that are in your life. You are messed up, son. You're, you're, you, you're a sick, messed up, broken human being. And instead of saying, get out of me in the name of Jesus, Satan, get back from me. I just believed those lies. And I began to work out my life from the place of believing those lies. And of course, the same father of lies would disguise himself and come and say, but it, it's okay, all you have to do is listen to my voice. If you'll do this, and if you'll do that, and if you'll do the other, nobody will ever find out who you really, really are. If you can be the best at sports, everybody will love you. Oh, you suck. Oh dear, that's sad. Well, maybe you could be the best musician. Go for it. Oh, you chose the clarinet, idiot. Everybody doesn't want to listen to a clarinet. They want to hear a lead guitarist. Uh, oh, you need to be the coolest dressed person. Oh, you can't afford those nice clothes. You really, really will never amount to anything. It just confirms you really are a nothing and a nobody and you'll never amount to anything. Of course, when I got born again, the voice, the evil one, so cunning, now he just switched the lies a little bit. You know what? You really, you really suck as a Christian. I mean, you don't really read your Bible enough. I mean, one hour a day, that's it. Look at that guy over there. He's three hours a day. Oh, and your prayer life? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we need to work on that. 20 minutes a day, that's it. You suck. Oh, you know, if you're really going to become a really, really good Christian, you need to quit your job and go to Bible college and become a pastor. And then you'll be a somebody. And nobody in this new group of friends that everybody's so nice that they like you, nobody will reject you and push you away because they find out your little secret that you're a nothing and a nobody. And so I got overwhelmed with, like Kate was saying, as, I, as Kate and I got married 30 years ago this, this August. Thank you very much. I'm more in love with Kate today than I was this time 30 years ago when I was getting ready to marry her. And, um, you know, when I, when I became a parent, all of those lies just began to surface in my experience as a parent. And I began to discover a new area that I could uh, that I needed to control in order to make sure that nobody rejected me because my child was so ill-behaved compared to all my friends' children. And that's how it felt when I was in my mid-20s and I had no clue about what I was doing as a dad. In fact, I was so broken with all that pain I was describing to you, I hadn't really had a huge amount of time with my own earthly parents, and so I really didn't know particularly well how to parent my children. It didn't come automatically. And as a result of that, I began to become that authoritarian father without meaning to be. I just became authoritarian. Hey, you need to, you need to stop doing that. Stop doing that right now. You're, 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 you're making us all ashamed. I didn't say that, but that's what I was thinking on the inside. You carry on like that. In, you're doing that in front of, in front of John Arnott? That was my pastor. You're showing me up in front of all my, in front of John Bootsma with his kids. I mean, look how well behaved his kids are. I'm just teasing because John and I were 
you know, we've known each other 21 years. And growing up as in my 20s, actually, I only knew John when I was in my 30s, but, um, but growing up in my 20s, I was just, without realizing it, had all this legalism, authoritarianism, passive aggression that I was putting on my children, that I was putting on my wife. In fact, I was, if, if I didn't get my own way or I felt like you were going to reject me, and then I might feel, God forbid, abandoned, in the moment, I would go into super passive aggression. Mr. Grumpy would just come up. And I might not tell you anything, but you would know that you would know. I'd make, do my best to make sure that your life was miserable because you're causing me pain, making me feel vulnerable that you might reject me and I might feel abandonment again. And my story is actually your story if you're really honest. Maybe different details, but the reality is, is we all know that we needed salvation. But God's glorious gospel, was, was the salvation is so much more all-encompassing than merely giving us the reward of eternal life. God has given us himself to enable us to be all that he desires us to be. To fix all those broken areas. And when I came into a revelation, an experiential revelation of the Father's love, having been born again when I was 20, here I was now, 32 years old. I had a six-year, we had a six-year-old, a four-year-old, and a three-year-old. And when I arrived in Toronto in the year 2000, in May, I had the most amazing experience and encounter with the Father you can Read all about it in my book called Consumed with Holy Fire. But So I don't have time to go into the detail now, but just suffice to say, in that moment, I was completely overwhelmed with the love of the Father. I'd been baptized into Jesus in water. I'd been baptized in the Holy Spirit and walked in anointing and power, but my heart had never come home to the Father. I had, didn't know that I had a place in the Father, that I was actually at home with the Father. And in that moment, as I stood and held my hands out at the invitation that we're going to have at the end of this moment, at the end of this message, as I stood there and held my hands out and I just said, Father, would you come? Because I'm uncomfortable with love. I've, I've never felt love. I don't know what love looks like, I don't know how to love, and frankly, love terrifies me. Every time I would read 1 Corinthians 13, I'd, I'd be like, okay, that's not me, I'm on my way to hell, for sure. But I knew the gospel, actually, that that was not true, that I was on my way to hell, because I knew that Jesus had already saved me, but somehow, in the moment afforded by the enemy's lies, whispering to my heart, every time I would think about love, I felt so inadequate until I came home into the Father's love. And as I stood there, I had one of those moments where it felt like, you know, when you were a kid at, at school and they cracked the egg on top of your head and then put their hands down and you you're like, oh, do that again, do, do it again, do it again. That was so good, do it again. And then they bang you really hard and you're like, okay, don't do that. And anyway, 
It felt like I had this glorious egg on the top of my head cracked over me. And yet of liquid golden honey love completely covering me. And literally the physical sensation of that on the inside and the outside. And yet at the same time, it felt like a locomotive fell out of heaven and squished me on my head and smushed me to the floor. And I was on the floor for a very long time. And as I was on the floor for the first time in my entire life, I heard the words of the Father. And he said, Duncan, you are my beloved son. I love you so much, my boy. I've loved you from before time began. I loved you before you did anything right. And I loved you before you did anything wrong. I've loved you with an everlasting love. I loved you before you ever sinned. I love you because I love you, because I love you, because I love you. I loved you before you did anything that pleased me and I loved you before you did anything that grieved me. I've always loved you. And I will never, ever stop loving you. No matter what, I will always love you. Well, that, those words with the Holy Spirit upon me went so deep into my heart that every performance-related, shame-based thought and behavior was now instantly recognizable and no longer my life. No longer the voice that I would listen to. And I was able from that moment as the father, I literally believed that that was the moment in which I experienced my adoption in Christ Jesus. The tangible revelatory experience, not just the theology. And God the Father. I grew up and prayer started with our dear, gracious, loving, heavenly Father. He sounded neither gracious nor loving, and I did not necessarily trust him as Father. In fact, uh, I'm very blessed that I had a very, very good and loving and wonderful dad. My dad is amazing, and my mother's amazing. They're both amazing. It was my wrong reactions and me allowing the opportunity afforded to the devil for him to whisper his lies to my heart. It had nothing to do with anyone around me. It had everything to do with my responsibility for reacting badly to the world around me and allowing my heart to believe lies. And I just wanna to say to you this morning that the Father, Daddy God, is here for you. And you can be at home in the Father. You can be at home with the Father. But of course, our title is a double entendre because you can be at home with the Father. Your home, your family. You know, we just saw a whole number of parents up here with their children being dedicated to the Lord. May each one of those mums and dads have a home with the Father. That the Father will always be the most tangible person in the family. That daddy God would be more tangible than the physical mom and dad that are in the family with those children. 
Because that's what it means. When you're at home with the Father, you're at home with Daddy. Daddy's in your home. Do you get it? So good, isn't it? I love it. And you know, our family changed dramatically in 2000 on account of this person right here coming into an encounter with, with Daddy God and discovering that God loves me just the way I am. Now, of course, he loves me way too much to leave me as I am. And by the Holy Spirit, with the Holy Spirit's help, he's helped me to discover all manner of behaviors that were actually not coming from a place of being at home with the Father. And I've been able to spend the last 21 years with the Holy Spirit and with help from counselors and, and others, my wife and, and my pastors and all y'all, who those of you that we know personally and close to, the church family helping me to become a person who actually reveals and manifests the Father more and more and Duncan's old man less and less. But I remember when our eldest daughter was 16 years old, Kate and I were in a place called Papua, West Papua, no, sorry, Papua New Guinea, which is a very, very long way from here. And we were doing a, uh, an event in Papua New Guinea and one of the guest speakers that we had uh, brought with us was a pastor from North Carolina. And uh, he was sharing on his journey and something touched a deep chord in my heart as he was speaking. And I realized that our eldest daughter, who was 16 at that time, she had experienced for the first six years of her life a performance-oriented, legalistic, authoritarian, shame-based father. And I had put all of that under the blood because when I was in 2000, when she was six, I had such an encounter with the father that for the rest of the 10 years of her life, she had had a, a, a pretty good father and had a good experience with me and we were very close friends. But we butted heads a lot. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and he said, he told me to do what I'm about to tell you. I took it under the, with the Holy Spirit's help, I took action. And mums and dads, take action. Okay? When the Holy Spirit speaks to you, especially in a way where you have been misrepresenting the Father's love, humble yourself, don't try to justify yourself, and also don't go into a place of self-pity. Understand that this is a moment where the Holy Spirit is saying, the past is about to be forgiven and a brand new book is about to be written. And that's the glory of the gospel, isn't it? And so in that moment, I went home back to America, came back here and I took my eldest daughter out for dinner. A really nice dinner, just the two of us. And uh, it was at a place of her choice. And I told her, go expensive, because you're worth it. And so we were in the dessert, and that was a shock to her, because, you know, we didn't have the finances to get dessert when they were growing up. We just would have the main course, you know, and they'd, would you like a dessert? Would you like to see the dessert menu? The whole family would go, no, thanks very much, thank you. We all knew it was because, you know, well, first of all, mom and dad are freako on health, so we don't want all that sugar. And secondly, we don't want to waste our money on all that sugar. So I'm like, 
the lady comes, would you like dessert? I'm like, yes, please, we would. Honey, would you like a dessert? Jess is like, serious, Dad? Wow, cool. We get dessert. So she gets this mm, probably molten lava thing that's like this high and this wide. And halfway through it, I said to her, honey, I just, I want to share with you why I wanted to have this moment with you. The truth is that until you were six years old, I didn't know God as my father. I didn't know him as heavenly daddy. And you might not remember what I was like in great detail, but I was a really unkind father. I was hard on you. I was legalistic. I was authoritarian. I was full of shame when you did things that were wrong. And I wasn't, I didn't draw near to you. In fact, frankly, I didn't really know what to do. And by this time, tears are rolling down her cheeks. And if it wasn't for her napkin that she pulled out real fast, she would have face planted straight into that molten lava cake. Because she was discombobulated in that moment. And she just started to, just to weep. And she said, oh, daddy, thank you so much. Thank you for saying that. And I want you to know, and I forgive you. And when somebody through tears, genuine tears, tells you that they forgive you for what you have shared with them in vulnerability and humility and meekness, it's a God moment. And it so deeply and profoundly touched my eldest da- our eldest daughter's heart. And it so deeply and profoundly touched my heart. We didn't really ever need to talk about it, but our relationship was smooth. Our relationship went to a whole nother level of depth and height and width. And I realized in that moment that, you know, from 2000, when I had asked the father, father, would you, the grass was greener, the sky was bluer. And I asked the father, father, I don't know how to parent my children, but I've just experienced such an amazing encounter with you. Would you please, father and mother, our children that are your children through Kate and I. And despite all of our brokenness and all of our woundedness and everything that we get wrong. And you know, Kate and I, we have so many wounds where we have hurt each other, but we have so many scars that have been healed where God's love has been able to touch each other and we've been able to come home to the Father in the midst of hurt. Rather than, rather than running into the cave of self-pity, we've run into the heart of our loving Father. And we've been able to come to a place where we've been able to forgive each other and be restored. And, you know, I just want to say to you, dads and mums, one of the greatest things that you could possibly do when you've blown it, when you know in your conscience, I was too hard, I spoke that harshly, I, there was no reason for me to be quite so punitive in that moment. I promise you, if you will humble your heart and go to your children and say, I'm so sorry, Daddy overreacted there. Mommy overreacted there. That wasn't right. Would you please forgive me? You'll discover that what true forgiveness looks like because your children will forgive you over and over again. It never becomes an excuse to deliberately do anything. But the Lord has worked it that his love flows through forgiveness.
Let's stand, everybody. Now we know, Kate and I know, that as we've been sharing, there's been a number of, of things that have just been triggering off in your hearts. Some of you have, have really experienced, like Kate was saying, you've, you've experienced a very rough upbringing. And like Jess, until she was six, where she experienced, you also have experienced a mom or a dad that constantly shamed you. For whatever reason, you never felt good enough for them. You never felt that they were truly pleased. It didn't matter how many goals you scored, your dad always was mad with you for not scoring another. It didn't matter what, how many A's you got, it was the B that your mom or your dad wanted to talk about. It didn't matter how good you were in your musical instrument, if you missed a note, that's what the subject of the evening was. And you know, and some of you have actually encountered far worse than that. Some of you have actually been physically and sexually and verbally abused by your parents. But I'm so thrilled to let you know that there's a way out of all that pain. And that the gospel of Jesus Christ is that you can come home to the Father. And the Father knows. He knows what you've been through. And he allowed his son to go to the cross and become the very you, the victim of a lifetime of being sinned against. But he was also willing to become you, the perpetrator of a lifetime of sinning. And so for those of you that are parents in this room, and you just, as I've been speaking, you've been like, oh man, I've just been, I just wish I could just press rewind with my children and go back, make it all right with them. You know, it really touched my heart. When I looked at my 16-year-old, and I realized if only I could have really truly represented the father's love when she was a little three-year-old to her. It can never be done again. Can't go back over it. That time is gone. But I've discovered in that moment, and I've discovered since, that the father, when you're at home with the father, he's at home with you. And he will rewrite your story. And so mums and dads, don't allow the father of lies to whisper into your heart that you've been a terrible mum and dad. Maybe you have misrepresented the father just like I did. But listen to the voice of the father of lights that says, let me come right now and baptize you in liquid golden honey love so that you can actually love with my love because you're woefully inadequate without me to love your children the way they deserve and I've designed them to be loved. And some of us just need to forgive ourselves for making those mistakes. You know, maybe it was before you were born again or just as we've been sharing our story before you understood the full revelation of love. Just put your hand on your heart and just say, say your name and say, Kate, I choose to forgive you for all the mistakes I've made with my own children. 
We thank you, Father, that you cleanse us and you give us the power to change this around. And so, Holy Spirit, would you show us how we can make amends if we we need to repent to any of our children today for where we misrepresented your love. Just let him come. And some of you just need to ask God as Father to come and be your eternal Father, your everlasting present Father and reparent you. Some of you know that you believed a whole ton of lies about your own identity and about who God is because you had such a hard time with your own family. And we just give our parents a gift of forgiveness for any way that they misrepresented love to us. We choose to give you a gift and for some of you that's a hard thing to say. But in saying that you're offering them a gift and you're freeing your own heart right now. And you're freeing your heart so that Heavenly Daddy can come and be your parent, your perfect father, your perfect mother. And just ask him Daddy God, would you, would you be my true father? Would you come and give me the experience that I never had? And for some of you, you know you lacked love or attention, affirmation, and just the presence of a father in your life that was healing and nurturing. And so we allow you, Daddy God, as we go from this place, that we would lean into your arms and allow you to parent us, that we would allow our hearts to be dependent on that perfect love that will transform our identity and will take us into all the purposes. And so I bless each of you in this room and I bless each of you watching online just to receive the true parenting of Heavenly Daddy right now. Let his love come into your life in a deeper way. Thank you, Lord.